0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, November thirtieth, two thousand seventeen. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I've got Matt Norlander here with me, and this is the second of three podcasts we're going to do this week. So if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, go make sure to do that. Over. Uh, at iTunes rated favorably continue to write great things about me in the comments five stars and great things about GP that's what we're looking for why you're doing that uh, we'll discuss uh, the latest in college basketball and let's just start in Orlando with uh, the ACC Big Ten challenge had not been much of a challenge for the ACC historically and especially uh, this year because the ACC's already wrapped it up I don't know if they have a trophy but if they do it will reside in Greensboro uh, for another year because I think right now Big Ten is down 11-2 to in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And while that may or may not mean anything, uh, it does uh, serve as a reminder
1: that the Big Ten's not off to a great start this season, is it? It's off to a really bad start uh, relative to expectations. Ranked fifth in Ken Palm overall in conference standings. The only teams that have a win in this challenge, we are recording this Thursday afternoon, so Michigan State hasn't played yet are Purdue, which got a needed win against Louisville, and Nebraska, which beat Boston College. Every other team that is participating in this is Ofer. Um, big month coming up here in December for the Big Ten, and it's a weird month because league play starts this weekend. We actually have—we opted not to do our conference champion predictions in the preseason. We're like, let's just wait until— conference play starts well conference play freaking starts in like two days so we're going to have that up at cbsforce.com pretty soon here safe to say i think we're all going to be picking michigan state to win the big 10 because it is clearly been the best team so far in this conference purdue is i still have a lot of confidence in what they can do minnesota dropped an opportunity at home against miami on wednesday night and minnesota has looked relatively strong even though it did get outscored three on five against alabama over the weekend but other teams like maryland who you saw at the emerald coast classic uh six and two at this point wisconsin is three and four i mean it's it's been an ice age since wisconsin uh had its fan base wondering about the ncaa tournament at this stage with a plus a sub 500 record obviously when bo ryan retired there were questions about whether the team would make the tournament but at least they were above 500 at that point a couple years ago um Michigan got its doors blown off against North Carolina on Wednesday. That was a close game for the first half, and then UNC cured itself from its horrific showing at the PK-80 and uh, wound up looking like the Carolina team that is uh, rightfully in the top 15. Northwestern hasn't been able to handle success and expectations to this point. Ohio State blew a double-digit lead for the second straight game. Indiana looked... As good as you could have expected Indiana to play against Duke, given its personnel. Shout out to Duke for, I guess, covering the 8.5 because it was a 75-all game. And then uh, Blue Devils just went on a big run there at the end to separate itself. Uh, but most people didn't expect Indiana to win that game. I think the Hoosiers fans will take what they got there. Um, but can't play for 40 minutes with that talent level. Uh, no big no big shocker there overall. But yeah, for the Big Ten, um, I think we're still three weeks or so away from having a, a real conversation about... It's NCAA tournament prospects, big picture. Uh, but I think it is safe to say at this stage, when you've got a lot of teams that have already taken on three losses, Wisconsin's taken on four losses, and there is not one undefeated team left in the conference. Uh, I think that getting seven or eight teams in the tournament is probably a pipe dream at this point. I think you're gonna you're gonna hit your ceiling at six, all things considered, right now.
0: So there were four teams in the preseason top 25 from the Big Ten: Michigan State, Purdue. Minnesota and Northwestern. Michigan State, I think, lived up to expectations. They lost that close game to Duke in the Champions Classic. Other than that, uh, looked terrific. And that's uh, even with Miles Bridges being hampered uh, by that by that ankle. But Purdue took two losses at the Battle for Atlantis that I don't think we t- expected them to take. Um, Minnesota is, I-, I think, fine, but they did just lose a home game to to Miami. Other than that, um, has been. I, I think probably better than, than folks expected, uh, and Jordan Murphy has, has been absolutely terrific, just double-double after double-double after double-double, but Northwestern's been an obvious disappointment. Like you said, Wisconsin down, Maryland has now lost uh, two of its past three games to unranked opponents, first to St. Bonaventure down in Florida, then to a Syracuse team that Might be better than we anticipated, but still isn't supposed to be great. Uh, Michigan just uh, got ran off the court in Chapel Hill on Wednesday night. Iowa's got a loss to uh, South Dakota State. Ohio State is, you know, in a transition year under first-year head coach Chris Holtman. And Indiana, obviously, in a transition year as well. But um, I still think Michigan State's fine, everything that we, we, we thought they would be. But you're exactly right. Like, uh, you could at least kind of envision a scenario where they might have challengers in the Big Ten, say, a month ago. But right now, um, of, of the major conferences, you'd probably feel most safe uh, picking Michigan State as the champion as you would anybody else in any other league, right?
1: Definitely. Definitely seems to be the case right now because I actually think Miami's got a pretty solid shot at giving Duke a good push in the ACC. Villanova looks like a, a pretty determined favorite in the Big East right now. They're the sure. one defeated, but but they st- like you know Xavier Seton Hall. That like they, I could still see situations where they get challenged. Obviously, the Pac-12 seems like a total freaking toss up at this point. We'll see if Arizona can ride itself. Obviously, Kansas every single season looks like an overwhelming favorite, um, and that appears to be the case. Yet again, but I, I think Michigan State and Kansas are pretty much on an even plane right now. Um, we will let's let's allow ourselves to see what happens with December, and they've also got the weird scheduling kink there with uh, with the Big Ten starting league play in just a couple of games this weekend for all teams involved, and then they go back to some non-conference play, mixing finals with all of that. So there's plenty of time left for the league to to get some necessary uh, out of conference wins here. But we are essentially at the point where we've played more than half of the non-conference schedule and so I, I don't think that the big 10 can can change uh it's it's big picture trajectory at this point point. and this acc big 10 challenge is the the defining event here that's that's showing you the the, uh, the harsh light on the league and that it's it's not as good as it's been in years past but long term if Purdue and Minnesota can turn themselves and or change themselves into consistent top 25 teams, and Michigan State can get to a Final Four, you do that. You know the Big Ten will, will end up looking okay uh, come come the tournament. But uh, but yeah, this is going to be a soft middle and a soggy bottom for this league this season.
0: And Northwestern, like I said, preseason top 20 team. Um, they've now got three losses uh, on their resume. And their losses to a Creighton team that was unranked in the preseason, a Texas Tech team that was unranked in the preseason, and a Georgia Tech team that was unranked in the preseason and remains that way, and was missing one of its best players in, in Josh Cogie. And so, uh, I know Creighton is now, at least in my top twenty-five and one, Texas Tech is obviously better than most anticipated, uh, nationally ranked at this point, at least in my top twenty-five and one. Um, but having three losses to to three teams that were unranked in the preseason before december 1st even hits that's that suggests that yeah i guess they can still turn it around and get to the incident tournament but they don't look like they're going to live up to the preseason expectations of being a a legitimate top 20 team in america
1: no they don't um the the, you know they lose uh to georgia tech on the road by one uh that's really stings because the road win would have been pretty pretty pivotal there and pretty crucial to its resume. Um, they have two more opportunities here. What's inter- coming up in December, because I-, I do like the way that Chris Collins scheduled. Um, he still got to go to Oklahoma. they got to play DePaul. It's a little bit of a slippery game. Uh, they got a nice home game versus Valpo. So Northwestern challenged itself in the non-conference. And if it's able to get one or two, like beat Valpo and get... DePaul or Oklahoma, get one of those two on the right. You get both. That's ideal. Um, but you get one of those two, it's going to wind up being pretty important because they won't have too much else to boast about in the non-conference. And then you're going to rely on the Big Ten, which is not going to be great. So, yeah, if you're able to steal a game versus Minnesota, Purdue, or Michigan State, that's going to be fine and all. But the league, it, beating you know, what's going to end up being the 7th, 8th, ninth best team in the Big Ten, I don't think that those wins are going to wind up being slotted into advantageous positions when the committee's evaluating you. So things are already urgent for Northwestern. There's no doubt about it.
0: You uh, mentioned Oklahoma. I didn't plan to talk about this, but they were out, um, in Portland with you at the PK 80. Did you get a chance to see Trey young?
1: I did get a chance to see Trey young and I'll, uh, I'll spill the beans a little bit here. I got a chance to sit down with an hour for Trey young. So I will have something next week on him. I talked to him before he went off for 43 against Oregon and he is terrific. Um, it's it's interesting because he, I did not in any way, and I don't think Oklahoma did either. Uh, and I don't know if you want to, if you were just specifically leading with Trey Young here or what. But um, I knew that he would be able to score like immediately at the college level. But if if I'm being totally truthful, I thought Trey Young was going to enter college, put up 15 a game as a freshman, which is outstanding, and and be a pretty reliable uh, first year player. He is he is turning into uh, a top three freshman in America at this point. His his Three-point shooting is obviously really, really good. Um, I don't think – when I interviewed him, he wasn't at like a 40% clip or anything like that. But he was he's, – he's not afraid. He certainly got the green light. But he also – he's going to get all the pub for how he shoots, and I get that. He's hes a pretty good creator, He and he's not afraid to drive. He's not a huge player, but he's also not that tiny. So he's a, he's a pretty good distributor. I think he is like a – he's a true – scoring point guard. Like, I don't even think I'd label him as a combo guard. Like he, he can score it, but he likes to distribute it as well. And because he's on this team, yeah, Oklahoma has got a really good shot at being uh, a return tournament team after having that down year. One last note I'll, I'll just include here is that I asked long Kruger and I don't know if this will make the story or not, but you got Trey scoring like this. You're going to obviously have people thinking, okay, well, you know, the next buddy healed kind of thing. And Kruger said, they're not really similar players and the way that I've, uh, it built my offense in the way that what I did for Buddy, who was so much more off the ball, a ton off the ball, in fact. It's not the same way that we're using Trey. So, yeah, they're similar in that. They're going to be putting up uh, big numbers for the Sooners. But the way that the, the offense style for each player is actually not all that similar.
0: He's got a usage rate that's in the top 10 in the country. He's uh, shooting 39% from three, uh, 57% from two. Um, obviously, uh, had that 40-point game. Uh, has you know, I, I think Bagley is the leading candidate for National Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, everything right now. Marvin Bagley, of course, uh, the tremendous, likely one and done forward from from Duke. But Trey Young has been spectacular, and I guess I would ask you this question: I updated my 2018 NBA mock draft earlier this week. I did not have Trey Young in the top thirty. Should I have Trey Young in the top thirty?
1: I think it's going to get there. <laughs> so, like, uh, was there to. Just pick the brains of evaluators and scouts on hand, and it's a little weird to me how his size is being used against him. I think at this stage, maybe more than it should. I mean, he's not tiny. He's 6'2! He's 6'2! He's,
0: he's, 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 he's like, is that a midget?
1: Exactly. Can and you, I can I, you use I, the
0: word midget anymore? What's up? Are you allowed to use the word midget anymore? Did I just? Uh...
1: I, I I honestly, I have no idea,
0: to uh, be honest. All right. Well, if 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 I need to apologize to short, I am short. I think I. If anybody could use the word midget, it'd be me. Carry on.
1: So he's not, but yeah, he's not. He's not a small, small dude. And so it seems like his, uh, and I think he might have like a six-four wingspan, something like that. And we know how important wingspans are with everyone. So he, uh, I, I think we are getting to the point where he needs to be strongly considered, not you know, definitively put in these mock draft first rounds. But I think he's uh, his ability to score and to run an offense. I think, I think we're getting there. I don't think you're out of bounds putting him outside the top 30 because I think if truly if we had a draft. I don't know how you evaluate a GP if it's truly like a projection come June or in the here and the now. If we had a draft here and now, I'm not convinced that Trey Young would be a top 30 pick. Let's talk in three weeks. Things might change. Um, I think scouts want to see a little bit more of what he can do defensively, uh, but they do like the fact that he is willing to drive the ball, can distribute well, and certainly is not short on confidence, uh, but certainly become already uh, a top five type player Um you hear the, the Steph Curry comparisons tossed out with him a lot. I asked him about that. I'll save that stuff for the story itself, but we certainly touched on uh, his feelings about being uh, compared to Steph, whether that's right, wrong, or accurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's six, 6'2", he's six like I said, and that might prevent him from being whatever it is people might want him to be at the NBA level, but he's five inches taller than Devin Downey, and Devin Downey obviously – Mm. Uh, was the player who uh, delivered the first loss of, of John Calipari's career uh, at Kentucky? That was on January 26, two thousand ten, when he got thirty points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals at a sixty eight sixty two upset of John Wall's UK Wildcats. So, um, if Devin Downey could do that at five foot nine, there's absolutely no reason Trey Young can't uh, just wreak havoc on the Big Twelve uh, throughout January, uh, February. And March. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle, the legend. Let me tell you about SeatGeek, which is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to to live events. That's what I learned over the years, thanks to SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets (laughs) in just two taps. And uh, the good news is uh, right now, if you download that app, use the uh, promo code COLLEGEBB, uh, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase just by using that promo code uh, college BB and I don't mean just for a basketball game I mean a football game a concert anything uh, that requires you to purchase a ticket to enter uh, the building the stadium uh, the arena uh, you can get that ticket uh, through that SeatGeek app so make sure you've downloaded the app it makes for a nice Christmas present as well a holiday treat for that special person in your life you want to buy them tickets to something make sure to use uh, the SeatGeek app and what uh, SeatGeek does is is it searches multiple ticket sites for you, compares prices, so make sure you're finding uh, the best deal available. You don't have to search five different sites anymore. SeatGeek will handle that for you, so you're saving time and you're saving money just by using that promo code COLLEGEBB. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. Norlander, pop quiz.
1: Love it. Let's do it. The
0: nation's longest winning streak belongs to...
1: Okay, um... I believe, if my memory serves correct, this is got to be – I'm allowing listeners time to think and respond. But I think it is TCU because did they not win the NIT, and are they not still undefeated?
0: The Horned Frogs did win the NIT. They are undefeated. They have won 12 straight games dating back to last season. And I bring them up just because it's a remarkable uh, uh, story. I mean, uh, that's a program with almost no history whatsoever, at least nothing to speak of. They get into the Big 12 – And uh, they commit the resources to the program. And they go out and hire uh, Jamie Dixon away from Pitt. And he obviously, I think, overachieved last season to get that NIT title. And now he's got a legitimate top 25 team. And what's uh, wild is that if you look at his roster, Jalen Fisher, uh, who they got in the late period after, you know, like right after he got hired at TCU. Desmond Bain. They got in the late period, right after he got hired at TCU. Kenrich Williams is somebody who had zero Division One scholarship offers coming out of high school, and those names I just listed—those are three of TCU's top five scores. So recruiting is now operating at a um, a historical uh, best level for that program. And Jalen Fisher was a consensus top, you know, one twenty-five player in the country. Uh, but to be able to be doing this. Um, with the, a roster of mostly unheralded guys is, 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 is uh, pretty impressive work for Jamie and, and that staff. And um, it's just something, it's a reminder of something I've said a million times. With few exceptions, at the Power 5 level, maybe even Power 6 or Power 7 if you want to get into that, with few exceptions, um, if you invest the resources in a basketball program and then hire the right guy, uh, you can win. It's not quite as easy to do it on the football side of things, but in basketball, you can get things done. And and they they've got a nice team at TCU right now. I saw them twice over the weekend. Um, that's a uh, I don't know if they're a real challenger to to Kansas in the Big Twelve, but uh, they're going to finish um, you know in the top you know three, four, five in that league. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I'd be surprised if they're not.
1: Yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Kurt Thomas. I think the last time TCU had someone, uh, or I guess had as much buzz. Well, they made the, they made the NCAAs in 1998. Kurt Thomas wasn't with the team at that point, but, uh, Kurt Thomas obviously went on to have a pretty solid NBA career. And I, if I remember correctly, he like, I think he like led the country in scoring and was close to leading a rebounding. I remember there being like a whole thing. Cause I didn't know who the hell he was when he came into the NBA, but he was like this college beast. They are good this season. Um, Have a shot, I think. Let me bring up the schedule real quick here, GP. Um, So they've refreshed listeners' memories. Uh, They've beaten Tennessee Tech, South Dakota, New Mexico. Bonaventure's a solid win. They just took out Belmont. That's a good win, even though it was at home for TCU. Belmont's a solid team. They have Yale next on Saturday. Then they get SMU, and that's going to be a TCU home game. And then they get Nevada on a neutral out in L.A., so if they can get through that, they've got a decent shot at going undefeated in conference play. That would be a pretty huge story. And uh, we'll know that by December 22nd. That's their final non-con game. That's against William and Mary outside of when they have to play Vandy in the Big 12 SEC Challenge at the end of January. But uh, a quality team right now. And I I believe in them certainly as an NCAA tournament team. Like, I think they're going to be a single-digit seed. Um, I want to see how they are able to handle success. And when they go up against some serious teams, how they can, how they can do, cause we just don't know yet. I mean, they were, they were a solid bounce back team last season. Dixon's been a quality coach. We've known that for a while, but, uh, but it is cool to have, at least for me, like as a media person who's always looking for just different things to happen in a, in a given season, I, I always like that the blue bloods are good. Don't get me wrong. But when we can get uh, teams in these major conferences that have, these droughts for a long long time and then all of a sudden oh they're top 25 good that at least it peppers in some difference uh from year to year in college basketball and i'm liking what tcu is providing here i think they are uh, on their way to a pretty successful season but i don't know yet if they are truly like a top 20 team or not
0: so we had so- tim floyd uh announce his retirement earlier in the week and then on wednesday uh, east carolina announced that jeff lebo uh, will not continue as uh its uh, head coach he's completed 19 seasons as a division one head coach never actually made the ncaa tournament one argument uh, in his favor would be yeah but he had bad jobs relative to the leagues every single time which is uh, i guess uh, accurate but every school that he's coached at has made the ncaa tournament before and yet he was never able to get there you don't get many guys 19 years um as a division one head coach who never actually make the ncaa tournament so that'll be part of uh, uh jeff lebo's resume forever assuming that he doesn't get another uh, division one job and i i guess i'd be surprised if he if he did but but who knows there's 350 something of those jobs maybe maybe he lands one somewhere down the line before we get out of here uh big game and we touched on it earlier in the podcast scheduled for thursday night acc big 10 challenges notre dame uh at michigan state two top five teams and so this uh should be terrific television do you just go with the home team here in orlando
1: I do. Um, this is a, a tremendous. I mean, to get – I feel like we get maybe one of these a year, GP, on a on a, a true roadie, like a true – not like, you know, Champions Classic or, or any uh, neutral floor tournament. To get an on-campus game between two teams ranked in the top five in non-conference play, um, this is great. Uh, really looking forward to it. Michigan State does have the benefit of getting this game in East Lansing uh, Notre Dame's got a lot of good offense they're both coming off tournament championship runs Michigan State at the PK-80 and then Notre Dame famously in Maui where Mike Bray decided to go topless in post game which is terrific uh, I'll take Michigan State I do wonder as I said that uh, Bridges wasn't 100% uh, in Portland maybe he's still not there maybe he doesn't need to be there tonight um, but uh, I do like, give me Michigan State, uh, like 79, 74, and a pretty fun one. I'll take Sparty.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is one where you got comparable teams, and anytime you got comparable teams, you, your safest bet is probably just taking uh, the home team. So uh, you play this thing at Notre Dame, give me Notre Dame. You play it in East Lansing, I'll take Michigan State i think you play it on a neutral i take michigan state just barely uh but yeah the home team should uh should have the advantage here and and my god the, the big 10 sure does need it because if you uh far and away conference favorite loses to uh, uh you know an acc school that isn't picked to win the acc or even finishing the top two or maybe even three in the acc uh you lose at home to that it, it really does start to put a uh, an even bigger stain on that league. So Michigan State needs it for the obvious reasons, but the Big Ten just needs some some good news. And uh, so perhaps they get it tonight. Uh, that game, of course, will be on uh, ESPN, and we'll talk about it a little bit more uh, later on uh, this week when we look back on it on what will be the third podcast uh, of the week. We'll record that, what do you think, Friday or Saturday?
1: Um. Uh yeah, we'll have to figure that out on the fly. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think our Friday nights might be a little bit complicated here. So either we go like, l- see, you got the radio show though. So yeah, honestly, like it's either way late Friday or or Saturday morning, one of the two. Yeah, maybe Tennessee will have a head coach by then. By the way,
0: yeah, I'm not trying to spend my uh, Friday night talking to you uh, on Skype. So let's we'll either do it tomorrow. We'll either do a Friday afternoon or, or 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 Saturday morning, and perhaps the Tennessee football program will have a coach by then. Boy, they're going through it. Um, You
1: Uh, you actually got to get out here. We're kind of tight. But, GP, last head coaching search in college basketball that compares to what Tennessee's going through. Can you even remember one? I know there have been some crazy ones, but I don't know if if I can remember. There probably is one, but off the top of my head, like anything. uh, Remove the side that the fans didn't let Shiano happen. Like that's never happened in college basketball. But when you look at just like everything else involved with it and how they're just going after name after name publicly and getting shut down. Anything popped to mind in the past, like five, six, seven years?
0: I don't know if it was five, six, seven years, but when Arkansas like had its sights set on Billy Gillespie, and then he ended up taking Kentucky, and they were just in total scramble mode. That one got a little a little wild, and I guess it it led to John Pelfrey getting the job. Maybe I think that's the way it went.
1: That but. that all coincide with Altman not taking it. Like, did Gillespie turn yeah, it down? I, that th- was I, so that. Yeah, yeah, Altman actually technically took it. And then left like within forty eight hours. So yeah. that yeah. Yeah, I think
0: that one was pretty crazy. The Memphis one replacing John Calipari was was kind of That was
1: just circus. Yeah, it was right. all
0: it was all over the place. I mean like they, they had yeah. boosters trying to hire Billy Donovan and Rick Patino and all sorts of guys. And then but they,
1: that did not have dudes like turning the job down like the way that Tennessee like this, yeah. he just got turned down by Dave Doran. <laughs> I mean I mean
0: what is going on? I mean that that's a that's a, a program that has won a national championship in my adult life. And Dave Doran just gave you the double bird. So I don't know what's happening in Tennessee. They'll get a coach eventually. I'm just not real sure when. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. So please go do that. It makes a difference. We appreciate it. And then know that we'll be back very, very soon. Either Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, but under no circumstances, uh, late Friday night. (laughs) Until then, take care.